Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast where... We sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, also do that while you're here. Let's get into it. Today we are starting our conference previews for the 2023-24 college basketball season. And we're launching things with the Big Ten, a league that hasn't won a national championship since 2000 and hasn't had a team reach the Final Four since 2019. Uh, Deadleg, I don't mean to start on a bad note. This should be a celebration of the Big Ten, and I think it will be. It will be. But did you realize the Big Ten hasn't had a team make the Final Four since 2019? Yeah. Did you not realize that? I didn't realize that. I feel like you opened last year's Big Ten preview episode with this exact anecdote, and the year before that with that exact anecdote. I don't mean to start on a bad note, but it's trivia time. Oh, gosh. How many different conferences have put at least one team in one of the past three Final Fours? So all I got to do is say the past three Final Fours out loud and get to the answer there? I mean, I guess if you also know how to do addition. Let's do it. Okay, so we're going 20. There was no tournament. You might have heard about that. 21, you've got the Pac-12 with one in UCLA. You've got the WCC with one Gonzaga, you've got the American with one in Houston, and you've got the Big 12 with one in Baylor. 22, uh, 22, we had, oh gosh, we had Duke and Carolina, so the ACC had two apiece. We had Nova with the Big East, which is one. We had Kansas with the Big 12, which was one. And then this past season, we had UConn with the Big East. We had, uh, why am I blanking on this right now? UConn made it. FAU made it from Conference USA. Um, man, this is crazy. So <laughs> FAU, UConn. Who else was in the damn Final Four, Gary <laughs> Parrish? Hold on. Why am I blanking on this right now? Um, UConn. I watched FAU make it from MSG. Um, San Diego State made it. There we go. From the Mountain West. And then in the top right of the bracket, that was... Texas got close, but who got out of that region? Uh, Houston lost. Oh, my the people watching along right now and listening are like, you absolute madman idiot. Oh, yeah. Let's listen to the college basketball podcast where one of the hosts can't remember who was in the final who, oh, four oh, back Miami, in April. Miami, Miami, Miami. There we go. Coach L. Unconventional ACC. So um, ACC Miami made it out of there. Shouts to Coach L. So I'm going to say that. Is that eight leagues total in the past three years? Eight leagues total in the past three years. That's a victory for dead leg. ACC has had three final four teams in the past three years. The Big 12 has had two. The Big East has had two. 
the AAC one, CUSA one, Mountain West one, Pac-12 one, WCC one. Eight different leagues have put a team in the final four in one of the past three seasons, but the Big Ten has not. And if you're curious, GP didn't mention it, but it was Michigan State which knocked out Zion that made it from the Big Ten in 2019. That's correct. Will the Big Ten have a school in the Final Four this season? We'll talk about that next. But first, a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Can the Big Ten make the Final Four for the first time since 2019 or even win a national championship since... For the first time since 2000, the answer is uh, yes, it can. Uh, Purdue is a preseason top five team. Michigan State is a preseason top five team. They've got at least two legitimate national championship contenders. Deadleg, is this the year? Uh, I'm not going to say with any sort of uh, degree of confidence that this will be the year, but they've got a solid chance. You know, so much of what comes ahead is... uh, is impacted by what just happened, right? So um, I'll get to my five, five storylines. Listeners to the pod the past few years will know how this format works with our preseason conference episode uh, look-aheads. But, and I didn't have the the storyline of um, of the Final Four drought and national championship. That's kind of, it's almost by default, it's included there. But with Purdue and everything attached to Purdue, uh, it obviously looms heavy. Um I actually think that's I think that's number two on the storylines, but uh, a healthy chance. Um, I, I tell you, I'll give you my top three storylines here as I answer this question, though, because number one is will Zach Eady repeat as National Player of the Year? We haven't had someone do that in multiple uh, two of the six big National Player of the Year categories since Ralph Sampson in the early 1980s. Uh, so can he do that? I think that that will be a top three storyline probably in the sport this season. And then, you know, if that's one, a one B is will Purdue and painter atone for their, not just the FDU loss, which is significant, but Purdue already had, you know, this huge stigma attached to it by underperforming in the NCAA tournament. It lost to a 15 seed the year before, albeit it was in the second weekend, but nonetheless, you had St. Peter staring you in the face in the, in the sweet 16, you couldn't get through. And then the year before that, was a loss to North Texas. And even going back further than that, there have been Purdue letdowns. This is also a program that I watched very, very nearly make the Final Four in 2019. Uh, but it was Virginia that that won that epic Elite Eight game. Maybe the, maybe the best game I've ever seen in person in my entire life. They had Carson Edwards. They got so close. They didn't break on through. So the ED will he repeat as National Player of the Year is storyline one. Will Purdue and Payne are atone for this? And, and not just 
get to the second weekend, but really it's make the final four. I think that's how you, uh, that's how you get past it. And the number three kind of tied to your question, GP is the entire big 10 and the questions around the conference here. Uh, can it have success in March second weekend success? Cause Michigan state was the only big 10 program to make real damage done in the tournament last season, made the sweet 16 played the best game of the tournament against Kansas state, but K state wound up coming up on top and then K state lost to FAU in the regional final at the garden there. So it's more about the big 10 and can it really have more, impact as a league and and put more teams into better positions from a seed perspective there. I'm interested by that. I don't think the Big Ten is highly likely to end its national championship drought, but Purdue is, is obviously heavily in that conversation. It deserves to be. If anyone's going to do it, I think it's Purdue's got a better chance than Michigan State, but um, it would not surprise me at all if we looked up and the Big Ten just came short of, of making the Final Four again, uh, just because of all the variables there. And given how the conference has performed in recent seasons. I, I think two of the biggest national championship storylines heading into the season are connected to the Big Ten. Can Purdue do what Virginia once did, which is lose to a 16, come back, and then win a national championship? I, I think it's possible. I have them second in the preseason top 25 and one. And then the other big one is this year Tom Izzo gets his second national title. Like Tom is a Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer already. His legacy is, I think, rock solid. If he never coaches another game, he goes down as a top 10 college basketball coach of all time. But he has said that he feels he needs a second title to validate his career. Respectfully, I think that's crazy. I think he's an all-time great no matter what happens. But but I I understand where he's coming from, and I understand how badly he wants it. And he's got a team that is on paper good enough to do it. You've got at least two of those. And I think maybe, if I'm being honest, only two of those. Mm-hmm. But two of those in the Big Ten. Two teams that can reasonably hope to win a national championship. We will get to our predictions on where these teams fall into the overall hierarchy. And oh, by the way, we'll link this in the podcast description. Our Big Ten preview, we're trying to publish these relatively in, uh, <laughs> in close order to when they publish on the site on .com on the CBS Sports app. Our Big Ten preview was the first one to go up. It published on Monday afternoon. So as you're listening to this, if you'd like to read it uh, during or after, you can do that. David Cobb handled the Big Ten preview. Storyline four, I'll read four and five. You can react as you as you please, GP, and then we'll get to... Uh, a look at, uh, at where teams are uh, predicted to slot here. Um, this one's a little bit off the board, but uh, I, I feel like it could be something we talk about uh, throughout the season uh, as necessary. Is Michigan going to fade into some irrelevance here? Michigan did not make the NCAA tournament last season. Juwan Howard had some big-time success early. They lose the most coveted player that you know because he went to the transfer market. Hunter Dickinson, he's gone. Um, they did bring on a good player in Olivier Kamwa. He's not the only piece, but Michigan is not a project, uh, projected NCAA tournament team, and that is obviously a very proud program and one that has among the ten or so most well-known coaches in the sport. Uh, right now, John Howard is currently recovering from uh, a heart procedure. Phil Martelli is actually running the program, but Howard is scheduled to resume his duties, full-time duties as head coach in the next three to five weeks. So hopefully he can do that. Hopefully he is well on the mend and getting there. But I do have curiosities about Michigan. And when you have a program like that, that might fall back a little bit. I, I find Michigan, and we'll get more into our this with our projections. I think Michigan is more likely to slip in Indiana, although I'm not super high on either of them. And then five is just hot seat. I think there's only one coach that's actually on the hot seat. And by hot seat, I would define this as 
if you don't make the tournament, um, are you more likely than not to to have a job change? And I'm not even uh, I'm not even banging the table on this one because it was hard for me to say for sure. But I would put Fred Hoiberg there. He is 40 and 83. They did get uh, better toward the end of last season. He's 18 and 61 in the Big Ten. Um, he recently had a contract that was uh, rewritten. He doesn't have as nearly as high of a buyout there. So. Some could make the argument for Minnesota. I happen to believe because of the because of the buyout situation, if Minnesota still has another just whatever season, Ben Johnson probably gets another year. But to me, it's just Hoiberg. That's the one. And then there you have it. What about um, does Greg Gard need a big season? It was a good season at Wisconsin. Does Chris Holtman need a good season at Ohio State? Like I, I think th- both of those guys are are really good coaches. I'm a big Chris Holtman fan. I think last season was an aberration more than a sign yeah. of things to come. But I also know Ohio State fans are like, you know, not thrilled. You're right. Um, if Ohio State did not make the NCAA tournament, uh, if it fell short of that, it's certainly conceivable that Chris Holtman would wind up uh, being out of a job. I don't think that's unreasonable. Uh, but to me, Hoiberg seems to be the most vulnerable of any. Greg, yeah, Greg, Wisconsin is certainly set up to be a tournament team. They didn't make the tournament. Those are two schools that didn't make the tournament last year. Uh, but in kind of scanning the league uh, from a coaching standpoint, it always looks different in the first week of October than it does, you know, the first week of March. I know that um, it's, it's more stable than I thought it would. I would set the over under at 1.5 coaching changes in this league by April 10th of 2024. If you want to take the over, I wouldn't fault you. Um, it almost certainly will have at least one, just the way these things, you know, the results just bear this out. I and mean, there's probably, no, we don't root for it, but just as a, it's a fact of life with this. Uh, when you get paid a lot of money, you got to win games. And and certainly some teams got to finish 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th in this league. So we'll see if that corresponds to any job changes. But to me, I would go Hoiberg, um, Johnson, probably Holtman for top three. Yeah, I would take the over one and a half, but uh, I wouldn't be certain about which two or three. I would I would tell you you're going to get got by the time this, this season is over. One other storyline you didn't mention. I mean, this is a big one. Okay. Can Indiana finally finish in the top 25 at Ken Palm for the first time since 2016? Um, I figured I'd leave that all to you. That's, people that's, are talking about it. I, I think a person is talking about it. That's right. I mean, I've heard people talking about it. Multiple? Plural? I mean, so far it's just me, but we're going to okay. see if I can get it to catch you're on. To, you're trying to really, you're trying to, you're trying to have a catch on. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to get, see if I can get it to catch on. Yeah, that's true. Indiana hasn't finished top 25 at Ken Palm since 2016. Trivia time. Okay. Do you know how many different schools? You went and looked this up, didn't you, you bastard? Oh, I had to. Oh, my gosh. What do you, you know do how many different then? schools? Well, it's actually it's funny you mentioned that. Do you know how many different schools have finished in the top 25 of Ken Palm in at least one of the past seven seasons? Let me go ahead and tell you. Now, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Indiana's not one of them. Yeah, That's no, the I'm point. Not. You have the number. You have. The oh, number. yeah. Wow. So you went and you cross-referenced oh, yeah. seven seasons. It's just the finish. Wasn't at one point they were in the top 25. You got to finish. Top you got to finish in the top final Ken Palm ratings for the season. Seven straight years. Indiana has been outside. This is a blue blood program. Dead leg. This is a blue blood program. In seven say. consecutive years. This blue blood program has finished outside of the top 25 at Ken Palm. It's not something you expect from a blue blood program. In fact, it's not something that's true with literally any other blue blood program. 
but here we are. How many different schools have finished in the top 25 at Ken Palm in at least one of the past seven seasons? Indiana has not. Some might say we will find a brighter day. My answer is 54 schools. Oh, you're low. Am I? I'm that low? Mm-hmm. Don't tell me. Don't In seven seasons, don't tell me we've had more than 75 schools finish top 25. That can't. That's a, The answer is 63. Okay, 63. 63 different schools have finished in the top 25 at Ken Palm in one of the past seven seasons. Indiana has not. Just let me run you through it real quick. It's a, it's a, it's an incredible list. You're going to run through all 63 schools right now. I just want to hammer home the point. You're going to name 63 schools, 63 schools that have finished in the top 25 at Ken Palm, at least one of the past seven seasons. Indiana has not. So what that means is Indiana is not going to be on this list. All right. But here's the list. Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Auburn, Baylor, BYU, Buffalo, Butler, Cincinnati, Clemson, Colorado, Connecticut, Creighton, Dayton, Duke, Florida, Florida Atlantic, Florida State, Gonzaga, Houston, Illinois, Iowa, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Kentucky, LSU, Louisville, Loyola, Chicago, Marquette, Memphis, Miami, Michigan, Michigan State, Mississippi State, Nevada, North Carolina, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, Oregon, Penn State, Purdue, St. Mary, San Diego State, San Francisco, Seton Hall, South Carolina, SMU, TCU, Tennessee, Texas, Texas Tech, UCLA, USC, Villanova, Virginia, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Wichita State, Wisconsin, Wofford, and Xavier. Those 63 schools have at least once finished in the top 25 at Ken Palm past seven seasons. Indiana has not. But, you know, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. It's a blue blood program we're talking about. And I know there's people out there and they go like, hold up a second. Indiana hasn't won a national title in 36 years, hasn't been to the Final Four in 21 years, hasn't even been to the Elite Eight in 21 years, hasn't been to the Sweet 16 or finished in the top 25 at Kempom in seven years. I know people say that, but like still the facts are the facts. This is a blue blood program. Yes or no, does it happen? I'm going to say no. 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 I'm going to say no. Indiana's in year three under Mike Woodson. Started 30th at Ken Palm in Mike's first season. Right there on the verge of top 25. Finished 48th. Went the wrong direction. Then last season, I really thought last season was going to be the season. They started 12th at Ken Palm. You were way in on. People forget. You were way in on Indiana. Oh, no, I was a believer. Finished 30th. major believer. Finish thirtieth. So, like, the, like, I, I, listen. I respect your storylines, but I do, I do think these. This is a storyline that also matters. A, a can, can Indiana finish in the top twenty-five at Kimpom for the first time since two thousand sixteen? And can Indiana stay within three games of Purdue in the league standings for the second straight year? I'm not. I'm not asking Indiana to finish better than Purdue. That's crazy. All right. But Indiana is clearly the second best program in the state of Indiana. I think it's clear. And and so can they, you know, like in golf handicap, you know, you got to, you're not trying to beat the person as much as you're trying to play. Can they stay within three games of Purdue in the Big Ten standings? Maybe, maybe this is the year. Let's get to our conference predictions then. Okay. Teams we think will make the tournament, where we think this all falls, where we think Indiana is going to fall in this grouping. Before we do that, you want to take a break? Word from our partners. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. So, Deadleg, as you know, the Big Ten got eight schools in the NCAA tournament last season. Among them, number one seed, Purdue. Purdue got a one. Indiana got a four. Northwestern Michigan State got sevens. Maryland and eight got Maryland and Iowa got eights. Illinois got a nine. Penn State got a ten. Mm-hmm. If I set the over under seven and a half Big Ten teams in the NCAA tournament, you going over or under? And then, and then after you answer that, run us through which teams you think are making the NCAA tournament, and then proceed through the bottom of your Big Ten projected standings. All right, let's let's answer the uh, the over under first. I want your answer too, and then I'll get you my projected uh, one through fourteen here. I'll say, hmm, let me see, four, five, six, seven. I'll say over. I'll say it's eight, but I'm going to say it's eight, and one's going to Dayton, and if it's not two to Dayton, the other one that doesn't. Just barely doesn't. They're they're in the field, but when we get the uh, when we get the overall seed ranking, we'll see that corresponds to them missing getting uh, the invite to the first four just ever so narrowly. So I think we get there. Big Ten has got a lot of it's just got so much big in the middle, and it has been for a while. Um, which kind of goes to what I was talking about before. Can this conference? just have more of an impact in the NCAA tournament. Are we going to be able to look up in the Sweet 16 and see more than one team? Will we see three or four you know, Big Ten teams that have been able to push on through? It's been an issue with the league and a number of tournaments in recent history there. I'll say over. And for those listeners who checked in early and often to our summer shoot-around series, you are all too familiar with the fact that Gary Parrish is a big fan of taking the over. I'm going to assume... You are also going to take the over here. I'm going over. Yeah. I've got eight schools too. In all serious, I've got eight. Jerry Palm, for what it's worth, also has eight, but I do not have the same eight Jerry has. Jerry has Purdue, Michigan State, Illinois, Maryland, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Indiana, and Ohio State. I think my eight, you know what? It might be the same eight. Okay. Well, there you go. I'm glad you I think it is the same eight. I think I'm basically Jerry Palm. Okay. I'm like the Jerry Palm of this podcast. You're the Jerry Palm of the podcast. Yes. Okay, you want to roll with that? That's by all means. You have yeah. a you have a blast. I, I would like to be referred to going forward as the Jerry Palm of the Island College Basketball Podcast. Here is my projection. I've got Purdue one, Michigan State two. I'm going to go Illinois three, and we can circle back and just touch on some of these, particularly the teams we didn't have summer shooter on episodes for. Um, Maryland four. You got to have some sort of unpredictability here. I just don't. I don't like going with uh, going with the crowd. I'm going Ohio State to pop back big, and go Ohio State at five, Wisconsin at six, Northwestern at seven. 
you liking a little bit of that flavor? And then I will say Rutgers. Yes, Rutgers is eight, which means I will have Indiana at nine to the NIT. I will have Michigan at 10 to the NIT. It's a blue blood program, dead leg. And I'll have Christ. Nebraska. I'll have Nebraska. Super ch- thick chunks of broken life and reality. Nebraska at 11. Iowa at 12. Minnesota at 13. Penn State at 14. Um, where do we disagree in our eight? So I, again, I've got OSU five, Bucky six, Northwestern seven, Rutgers eight. Who do I have in the tournament that you do not? Um, I think Rutgers, right? You would have Rutgers in and I would have Indiana in. I'm just going to bet on the blue blood program. Okay. Only one of these things can make the NCAA tournament blue blood program or Rutgers. What are we doing? As of late, Rutgers has been the I, That's the thing, though. Indiana, that's the thing. Indiana came a strong last season. Um, no doubt. And uh, the the CBS Sport-wide projection, by the way, is Purdue 1, Michigan State 2, Illinois 3, just like me, Maryland 4, just like me, Wisconsin 5, Indiana 6, Northwestern 7, Ohio State 8, Rutgers 9, Iowa 10, Michigan still down there at 11, then Nebraska, Minnesota, Penn State rounds it out there. Um we don't differ very much. Um, okay. I have Purdue one. I have Michigan State two. I've got them both in the top five of the top 25 and one. The only other Big Ten team I've got in the top 25 and one is Illinois. And I've got them at number 23. So my top three is just like yours. Purdue, Michigan State, Illinois, followed by number four, Maryland. I believe that's the same. The next two we have in slightly different orders. I've got Wisconsin five, Ohio State six. You had Ohio State six, uh, Ohio State five, Wisconsin six. So we're still basically on the same page there. At seven, I do have Indiana. It's a blue blood program for crying out loud. At eight, I've got Northwestern, boo booey back. And then after that, that's where I, I cut it off. Ninth, Nebraska. Okay. But going to the NIT. NIT good enough for Fred? I think so. In that scenario, I think Fred would stay on. Yes. Um, I've got Iowa at 10, Michigan at 11. I've got Rutgers all the way down at 12. I might be low on them. I know it's not higher. I might be low. It's it's listen, the Big Ten has at the same time, it seems um, like the safest conference to try and project. But at the same time, it has more variance between teams, potentially like three to ten there. So I, I get all that. Um, let's start with Minnesota, Penn State. You put yeah. them whatever order. I don't think it matters. Um, all right. Let's dive in just a little bit with with these teams. It won't go too much on Purdue and Michigan State. We had summer shoot around episodes on those teams. If you want kind of a little bit of deeper analysis, please go find them. They're not that hard to find in the feed or on the YouTube page, um, but I don't want to repeat ourselves too much. But Purdue, they're number one because uh, not just a VD, but the coaching, they'll have depth, they'll have size, they'll have defense, they'll have veteran wing play. The development of Braden Smith is a key. They've got a freshman to know named Miles Colvin, who's the son of former Bears uh, linebacker Roosevelt Colvin. Um a transfer of interest is Lance Jones from Southern Illinois. He's a helpful scorer and, a, and expected to be a plus defender there. Purdue just has enough there that it's hard to talk. At least it was hard for me to talk myself off of picking them number one in the league. And we're all, by the way, we're recording this a day before the Big Ten does its media day. So as you're listening to this, uh, you're going to notice there's going to be a little bit more um, Big Ten talk. If you just if you're a diehard college basketball fan, you're following stuff on the internet. There'll be more Big Ten in your in your general uh, environment here over the next 24 to 48 hours. There, so Purdue, um, you kind of know the story there. Michigan State because it brings back so much with Hogard, Tyson Walker, 
projected to be the best player on the team. I would say Hogard might be the most important. We'll see. Jay Nakins is also going to have to play a huge role. Malik Hall, Monty Sissoko, that's probably your starting five. And then they've got some really good freshmen coming in. Xavier Booker being a 6'11 guy, maybe the most notable of them all. But they've got Jeremy Fears, who's a six-footer, who'll... I think get some valuable spot minutes. Cohen Carr, who uh, if he can if he can be a two year player, we'll see. He's an athletic freak. Um, we'll see how much he winds up popping and mattering for them. Um, those three freshmen, Jackson Kohler, who will continue to get better as well. Uh, it's it's in fact GPS. I was uh, prepping for the pod and kind of going through and and doing my you know b- building out my list for top one hundred one players and top one hundred one teams. Um, happens every year. There's a few more teams that I'm initially just like, eh, I don't know. And and then I wind up being like, yeah, there's, I just can't get myself off of, uh, of just putting them high. I'm there with Michigan state. Like we, we talk on April 15th, you know, five, six months ago, I would have been resistant to put Michigan state in the top 10. Now I just, I can't find any argument not to have them there. You've got them top five. They could well be a top five team when the AP top 25 comes out. We'll see. It's Purdue and Michigan state on their own tier as GP said before. And then Illinois, I have it three, but I do think it gets a little bit murky here. But I do love Coleman Hawkins. And then Terrence Shannon Jr. is my most likely non-ED player to be the best player in the Big Ten this season. I think he is going to be a stat monster. They get Dane Danger back. Quincy Guerrier comes over from Oregon. He'll finish out his career in Champaign after transferring from there previously at Syracuse. The question with Illinois, who's going to play point? They've got Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn, who's a freshman coming in. They may need him to do that. Terrence Shannon ran some of the offense. We'll see how much he's still tasked with doing that. But I take them narrowly over Maryland, which has Julian Reese, Dante Scott, and of course, Jameer Young, who is probably going to be a top five producer in the conference. I would at least at least I would expect that Um, they've got they've got some good freshmen coming in. And Kevin Willard has been able to come in and make Maryland a factor in the conference immediately. Like uh, with some of these coaching situations, when guys come in, it's understandable if they take over a job, circumstances depending where it just, okay, you might need a year or two. And the transfer portal now has eliminated some of those expectations or at least some of that patience that comes along with it. But if you're a Maryland fan, we are early into the Willard uh, tenure. Don't get me wrong, but it's about, it's going about as well as you could possibly expect there. So I, I like them just narrowly, narrowly behind Illinois. That's my three and four. Are you with me on the same page with those two being the most likely spots in the, uh, in the three and four behind Purdue and MSU Parish? That's right. Um, listen, you can break this down a million different ways and reach sensible conclusions. And then the season will start and somebody's going to be noticeably significantly better than we anticipated and vice versa. But yes, in the way that you do these things in October, heading into a season that starts in November, um, I think it's pretty clear you've got Purdue and Michigan State in Tier 1, and then I think Illinois-Maryland in Tier 2. If you, and, and maybe you can throw Wisconsin in there with them if you want to, um, but I, 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 I don't think you'll see very many Big Ten projections that don't have Purdue-Michigan State-Illinois-Maryland as the top four in some order. I think that's right. If you want to get Wisconsin there, uh, you can build a case. I, Wisconsin is also when I was when I was kind of sorting the stuff out. I, I I've got Wisconsin six, but Wisconsin to me is the team that is easily the most ideal candidate to go from 
Yeah, they were projected into the tournament team too. Oh, that's the second best team in the league. I, and I think that it's possible they can make that jump because if Wisconsin, you know, performs and behaves like the Wisconsin we normally expect, they didn't make the tournament last year, but they bring back so much and they have what Tyler Wall, Stephen Crowell, Chucky Hepburn, Connor Asijan, AJ Store now uh, comes in ready to produce. They've got so much there that as long as they dodge injury and guard gets the most out of these guys, like they will, they will likely outperform where I have them. I've got them at six, and I just I did that because I like to throw some variance into this a little bit. Ohio State with Bruce Thornton, who will be a super valuable player. They get Jameson Battle, who's a transfer. Zed Key is back for Ohio State. Roddy Gale Jr. will probably be among the three or four biggest breakout players in the league this season, I think. And then there's a couple of freshmen. Scotty Middleton is getting a little more love than Taysom Chapman, but I actually think Taysom Chapman's going to wind up being one of the three or four most valuable freshmen in a Big Ten, which isn't going to have an overload of freshmen that are going to be, you know, huge contributors there. So I go OSU five, Wisconsin six, and then GP, Chris Collins has been at Northwestern for 11 seasons already uh, talking about the passage of time that's unreal boo boo he's back he's a preseason all-league first team level guy him and ty berry that backcourt will determine how far this team goes so i did zag a little bit going osu higher than you'd find him probably in the preseason polls northwestern probably a little bit higher rutgers a little bit higher we'll see how it works out but i've got those teams making the tournament rutgers lost camp spencer to uconn Paul Mulcahy to Washington and then Caleb McConnell. He's off to try and make an NBA career. He was a top five defender in the country last season. So Rutgers is in an interesting spot because, you know, it's in this chase to, to get, you know, its biggest recruiting hall of all time with Ace Bailey and now trying to land Dylan Harper. And that would be for next season. But in, in between that, you know, just missed the tournament last season. Remember how those quad four losses and, and that turned out to be something that couldn't overcome. They made the tournament two years prior. And so the, we could be talking about Rutgers a year from now, and it's going to be as hyped of a preseason as the program has ever had. Can it just can it get enough to, to crack through the tournament? I'm going to say yes, because they got big Cliff Cliff Amori back and he'll be a top two, top three big in the league this season. Moat Mag is back after he tore his ACL in February. Noah Fernandez, a transfer from UMass, is one to, uh, to keep an eye on. And then Derek Simpson is back as the two guard. So that's where I round out my uh, my top half of the league. Um, just to circle back to the point I made about on paper in October, everything looks a certain way. Then the game started. You don't know. There's surprises every season. I just, as you were talking, went back and looked at our Big Ten preview from last year. Purdue was picked fourth. I know. Won the game, won the league by three. And he uh, was not remotely considered like a lock to win player of the year. He was in the mix, but it was Trey Jackson Davis who was the pick. That's right. So with that in mind, um, we both agree Purdue should repeat as Big Ten champs. I'm certain we both agree Zach Eady should will be the Big Ten player of the year. Who's the Big Ten freshman of the year? Um... I'm going to say it, it comes out of Indiana. I'll say Mackenzie Mbako. Um, he's going to play with the with some good guys alongside him in that front court. Khalil Ware. Khalil Ware probably should be the... Indiana should probably have the freshman of the year. And if you want to call, you know, introduce like the transfer of the year, the most impactful transfer, like Indiana could have both of those. And if that winds up being the case, then I could well be wrong. I've got IU on the outside looking in. You've got him on the inside of the turning there. And then you've got Malik Renault who should make a big jump. But I'll say Mbako, originally committed to Duke, then decommitted once that uh, class got kind of crowded. And now he goes to play for Mike Woodson. Uh, he is my pick. Is he yours as well? 
Yeah, I think so. He's the highest rated recruit enrolling at a Big Ten school. Um, you know, consensus five-star guy, possible one-and-done first-round pick. Um, you know, you, you look at some of these freshmen at highly rated freshmen at other places, and it's like, I'm not sure how much they're going to get on the court or how much they're going to be asked to do, or there's at least three players that are obviously going to be more of an offensive priority. Uh, with McKenzie and Bach, like one of the reasons he decommitted from Duke to go to Indiana is so that he would have a bigger role as a first-year player, and he should have a big role as a first-year player. Yes, that's who I would go with. And, and if, how about this? You ready? Yep. If Indiana is able to do what it has not done since 2016, and that's finishing the top 25 at Ken Palm, McKenzie and Baca will be a big reason why. Yeah, he, He'll play a role in that. Yeah, that's quite a yarn you're spinning. That's not so hard to envision. 63 different schools have finished top six, 25 at Ken Palm in the past seven seasons. Indiana, not one of them, but this could be the year. This could be the year. Doing the list again or no? no? Yeah, I'll just run you through it real quick. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> um, we got some Iowa fans in the chat. I will get to the I will get to the Hawkeyes before we get out of this podcast. But I'll say Xavier Booker out of MSU would be my second most likely freshman of the year. Uh, we'll see. MSU, Iso's got such reliable vets, um, and he's got such a good freshman class. I'm, I'm. It's a big reason why I just I came around more and more on, on Sparty in terms of its capability to be a, a national championship contender. Um, don't know if we really do coach of the year stuff as much as we did anymore, but I just, I put painter down here because I was looking at, it was based on my projections of the finish of how the conference finishes out. And if Purdue finishes first, Michigan state finishes second, Illinois finishes third, Maryland finishes fourth and Ohio state finishes fifth. I still don't even think that Holtman would have done enough in that scenario to like get, Coach of the year. I think it will be Painter who winds up winning it there. Coach of the year either goes to the coach of the, the winning team that's just so dominant or it goes to a coach that's in two, three, four, or five that was predicted to finish like bottom five. It's usually one or the other. Um, so I think Painter is the most likely pick for coach of the year. Um, do you have any thoughts on that or no? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure. Seems likely. Right? If Purdue repeats as Big Ten champs, Matt Painter should be Big Ten coach of the year. And I don't want to hear people try to give it to um, like if the you know, Penn State finishes seventh, oh well, unless they, that would they, happen. If Penn State, which I have last, if Penn State, I'll 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 double. If Penn State finishes seventh in the league in that scenario, probably makes the tournament. Then yes, Mike Rones will probably win Big Ten Coach of the Year. That would realize, and we've been through. This I, I know you can go anything out, but I'm just. Tell, would you disagree? That would happen. I mean, if they go, I, no, I think it, it it would have a good chance of happening. I would yeah. I would enthusiastically aggressively disagree it's outrageous we don't give awards out based on this kind of bullshit in any other sport at any other coach of the year awards are so ridiculous like imagine if you thought there was a guy who played for i don't know that he was going to be the the seventh best player on the Minnesota Timberwolves and he was actually the second best player on the on the or no he was the fourth best player on the Minnesota Timberwolves you you wouldn't say he's the MVP of the Timberwolves you would say Anthony Edwards is but that's what we do in college basketball when it comes to coaches like Matt Painter is supposed to be great and he is but this other guy was supposed to suck and he was actually mediocre let's make him coach of the year let's give coach of the year to somebody who had a mediocre season i mean a seventh and making the tournament from penn state is not mediocre that's you're you're overstating it but i know what you're saying i know what you're saying just because you're supposed to be great it shouldn't be held against you when it comes to earning that's awards the, that's the point 
Yes. My favorite one of these is that Billy Donovan literally had two national championships before, before he had one SEC coach Champions of the year award 20 times on the pod. It is outrageous. Is no less true. Yes. 63 different schools over the past seven seasons. Six. Let me just run you through them real quick. Right, here we go. <laughs> Matt Painter should be the Big Ten coach of the year. You know what? I'm ready to just no matter what happens, Matt Painter should be the Big Ten coach of the year. All right. There you go. It's been decided October, <laughs> October 9th. It's a go. Um, in the interest of, uh, you know, talking to all Big Ten fans here, let's go from the bottom up. Um, Penn State is projected to be the, the worst team in the league. They you got Mike Rhodes coming in from VCU. Ace Baldwin follows him there. So Ace Baldwin, there's a chance he could be a really awesome player on a really bad team. Uh, we'll see what Rhodes can do. He has made a living for decades being a tremendous coach and something of an overlooked one. We've talked about him on the show previously before. Uh, Minnesota. Dawson Garcia is still the big man there. Um, the big name, big name man there. We'll see if Ben Johnson can, you know, push through in year three and, and actually get them further up to be determined. Um, Nebraska, Kasey Tominaga, all league level guy. Um, I want to say Hoiberg brought in five transfers, but one of them was Aaron Euless, who has subsequently been involved in. He's one of, you know, uh, who knows how many players at Iowa that, were, that was caught up in all that. Uh, that gambling stuff there. They, 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 they gambling in Iowa, buddy. After the fact, he was, so he was involved in that. So um, we'll see. He was one of five transfers though. Hoiberg brought in a, a but uh, Tominaga is the, is the big name to know. And he could be top 10 player hails from Japan and a really cool story there. I would love to see him uh, continue to thrive and do well. Um, Michigan, um, Namari Burnett comes in by way of Alabama to help Olivia Kamwa. I think Kamwa's addition to Michigan is is massive. I think uh, I think his play will wind up being pretty crucial to them. And then we'll let's talk about Hawkeyes because I am lower on them than I think your average college basketball uh, forecaster here. Peyton Sanford and Tony Perkins are two names that I would anticipate like wind up producing at a decent clip there. Um, and I think this is a good candidate to be the surprising team like Iowa fans listening are aware of the fact that there have been plenty of seasons in the past where the Hawkeyes might have been picked you know I'm going to just toss out uh, you know don't fact check this you know A to B but you know they might have been picked 6th and they finished 2nd they might have picked 10th picked and they finished 5th right they might have picked 8th picked and they finished 3rd there have been some seasons when that has happened and they may well be another candidate this season to do that I looked at what they had on this roster after losing so much, and it's hard for me to make the case personally that this group will finish in the top half of the conference. That's just me. But if you're an Iowa fan and you feel like we've seen this before, go watch Fran uh, do it by all means. It, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying I didn't personally see that on the docket this year. So if I'm going to pick a few teams to surprise, then inevitably I'm going to have to have one or two teams that wind up I'm projecting to be two, three, or four spots lower than than the uh, the overall average in Iowa just happens to be one of those schools. I'll let you take it up with Chris Hassel. I haven't heard from Hassel yet, but I know he's going to find me. Yes, CBS Sports HQ anchor and, and tremendous play-by-play uh, guy out there, Chris Hassel, our own uh, big-time Iowa stan. He will find me, and, I, and no doubt I'm ready for the, uh, for the lashing. I, I don't have Iowa in the NCAA tournament either, but they have made four straight. So if you're an Iowa fan saying, oh, yeah, keep being skeptical of us, I get that. Oh, yeah. you doubted us last time too, right? I get that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's entirely fair. There's one more thing with the league to uh, to remind our listeners of because this, if unless you're really dialed in, and uh, pl- 
trust me, I, I know plenty of our audience is, but if you're just, you know, seeing the conference preview pods coming back and occupying, like, all right, let me get back into college basketball. A little bit like, more. unless you're really dialed in, you might not know that okay. Miami made the final Let's- four. Here's the thing. Exposure for the league is going to be different this season. Yes, there will still, as always, be big-time must-see games on big CBS, and uh, CBS does incredible production with Big Ten matchups, but the overwhelming majority of this league's inventory from a basketball standpoint has been on ESPN for a long, long time, and like viewership habits, uh, you were just accustomed to you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights going and seeing, you know, a couple games on ESPN or ESPN two or the family of networks there, if you will. Uh, now there's a lot of games that are moving to Peacock, moving to streaming and going to NBC. Obviously there will still be stuff on Fox and some of the very best matchups you'll see this season on CBS, of course, but just the, the exposure of the league is about to change. And I think for big 10 fans in particular, who've gotten a little bit of this on the football side, of course, um, I, I always wonder how some of that stuff can impact uh, the way that some people uh, report or talk about these teams. I think the Big East, frankly, faced this issue in the first few years after it lost its affiliation and having its games on ESPN. Um, it has since recovered, not that it necessarily needed to, but I think when your audience is so used to seeing your teams talked about all the time in a certain way and discussed, um, it just won't happen on the same way on ESPN that it used to. That's just the, that's just the fact of the matter. Like they'll still they'll you'll still see some Big Ten games like when they're involved in non conference matchups. Like they'll be on that network, but it won't be the same. And I think that's a major change. And I think some Big Ten fans aren't overly thrilled about the idea of like having to go find their games on streaming here or there. And there will be big time games. Like we've seen it happen with the Big Twelve. Gee, I want to say there was like a kansas kansas state game that was a big one last year and it was it was on espn plus like that's becoming more and more of the model for better or for worse and uh and i think that will be another storyline as we kind of get into the season here where some of the big 10 stuff that was once uh, more visible than it uh than it will be in the months ahead the most famous one that kind of like really took a hit by not being on espn anymore was the nhl when it went that period of time where there was no nhl on espn and they they frankly they just ignored the sport um, like you didn't, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't follow hockey, but I watched sports center. And so you're just aware of what was going on in hockey. Cause like, you know, you didn't change the channel, you know, they, 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 they downgraded that a bit. And I, it'll be, I don't think this is a big, big deal because it's not like on get up on ESPN. I know, I know. They're, they're spinning every morning talking about, you know, 63 teams. <laughs> they haven't, they're not talking yeah. about that. Wait till Stephen A. Smith is on get up talking about, you realize there's 63 teams. There are 63 teams. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Dude, if I ever see Stephen A. Smith on Get Up talking about there's 63 teams that have finished in the top 25 at Kempa oh. in Indiana. In Indiana? <laughs> That's the Hoosiers? I'll die. You really might if that happens. Might. I mean, there's 63. I could run you through them. I think Wofford's in there. Wofford is in there. Yeah. And I know what you're thinking. God, how could Wofford do something that Indiana can't do? I don't know, man. It's just Mike Young. It's Mike Young. Fletcher Fletcher McGee. It's Mike Young. If Indiana had Mike Young and Fletcher McGee, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Remember that time I forgot Miami made the final four seven months ago? (laughs) What the hell was that? That's not as good as you forgot RJ Barrett. Who? See? See? All right. You think that's a podcast? That's a podcast. All right. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Terry M.F. and Teagle. No, no, I'm not on board with this, by the way. Let's say, 
You know what? We're saving that story for the Big 12 episode. When the Big 12 Baylor fans are listening, we're saving that for the next. For when we get to the Big 12, whenever that, we'll get into that then. And we'll talk through it. And you know what? I'll um I'll be receptive of your opinion. Okay. If you push back on Terry Teagle re-entering the shouts, yeah, I'll listen to you. All right. I'll hear your case. Yep. But I was moved. I was moved to bring Terry Teagle back yeah, to the what, shouts, and we'll get Terry into Teagle. it. All. That's part of his master. Plan. Oh, this is this is a brilliant promotion for the Big Twelve podcast. <laughs> Damn right it is. All people are going to be edge of their seats, biting their fingernails, waiting for it now. What led GP to bring Terry Teagle back into the shoutouts? You'll only find out on the Big Twelve episode. Norlander still hate him so much. You <laughs> will only find that information out on our Big Twelve preview pod. When is that coming? You're going to have to wait and see when we go live or when it pops in the feed. And one last push for the YouTube channel, because we are trying to add more and more subscribers. As you know, the best way to listen to the podcast and to hear it first is by subscribing to the YouTube channel. So even if you can't necessarily listen to it right then and there, you know when it goes live and you still always get it before it hops in the feed. So that's yet another reason. YouTube.com. You might've heard of it. Slash. Hold on. Hold on. YouTube.com. Hold on. Text that to me. HTTP colon forward slash forward slash. Do you do all that nonsense when you're doing something? Absolutely not. That's no longer necessary. Yeah. That's that's crazy. You just threw out an HTTP. I don't even mess around with that. It's been a while since I... I don't mess around with an HTTP. I know. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. Be not subscribed. Like Deadleg said, go subscribe. YouTube, but also anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, five stars, nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. So do that. We'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.